All right, we got a lot to go over today. Okay, we got three spring training games to go over, individual standouts from all of them. Then we have another minor league signing with an invite to spring training that was just made on Sunday, Saturday, over the weekend. And then we also are going to do a player profile on Matt Beerling, all today on Locked on Tigers. You are Locked on Tigers, your daily Detroit Tigers podcast. Part of the Locked on Podcast Network, your team every day. What is up, everybody? Welcome back to another edition of Locked on Tigers. I'm, of course, your host, Scott Bentley. Today is Monday, March 6th. 2023. Thank you for making Locked On Tigers your first listen every single day. We are free and available wherever you get your podcast, including YouTube. To uh, yeah, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. I knew I was forgetting something in there. Okay, so we are back. I hope everyone had a phenomenal weekend. Uh, every I know there was some some power outage struggles again over the weekend. If you live in the Metro Detroit area with the storm. So I I hope that everyone got through it safe and yeah, let's have a good week. All right, let's have a good week. So today we are going to discuss the three spring training games that happened over the weekend for actually four spring training games that happened over the weekend because there was split squad on Friday against the Phillies, right? So we're going to go over the standouts from all of those. Uh, Two of the four were televised. So that's kind of nice including Sunday's game. And then we're going to talk about Trevor Rosenthal, the newest member of the Tigers organization, signed a minor league contract with an invite to spring training. And then at the end of the show, we will do our player preview on Matt Beerling. Sound good? Awesome. So uh, the Tigers, like I said, played four ball games over the weekend. Split squad on Friday, played the Yankees, not televised, played the Phillies, televised then played the Blue Jays on Saturday and got absolutely embarrassed and destroyed. Uh, Those would be the two words I would use. Now it is spring training, so I'm sure they're not actually embarrassed and they probably don't even care, but 18 to five, crazy, all right? And then on Sunday, they lost six to two to the Minnesota Twins interdivision game there. So let's talk about the standouts from this game. Also, I'm going to reiterate, I, I truly, wins and losses in spring, I could not care less. I, it, It's just, it, it doesn't, uh, too many at-bats and innings pitched are given to players that will not be in the majors for a lot of teams, all your competitors and your own team, for me to actually get super upset or really, you know, care a lot about spring training record. This is all individual performances. Those matter to me. Win and loss record doesn't. 18 to 5 is ridiculous. I agree. We gave up a 13 run inning. I, I totally understand. I'm not trying to excuse that necessarily, uh, especially because a lot of the runs given up were, we'll talk about it, by dudes that are trying to, to, compete for a job in this major league bullpen but I just want to reiterate again as I already have a couple of times this spring I'm not a big oh we lost a spring training game I'm you know this needed to be better because I wanted to win just look at individual performances okay Jake Rogers probably the biggest story of the weekend dare I say uh at the time of this recording he is tied for the lead in home runs in the grapefruit league so far in spring that's super cool 
Uh, he took a hanging slider the opposite way for a double on Sunday as well. as uh, And that is his second at-bat. And his first at-bat, he, with two strikes against him, took a fastball over the heart of the plate to dead center field and hit a home run. So uh, off of Pablo Lopez. So really, really good Sunday for him. And that caps off, again, a really, really solid weekend and just so far a really solid spring for Jake Rogers. He also caught a runner stealing on Sunday as well. So when it comes to that backup catcher job, I think it's pretty clearly Jake Rogers to lose at this point. It, it already kind of was, right? Like I talked about how I am a, I don't want to say like a big fan, but I was, I, I'm pretty fond of Donnie Sands. And I think that he could really be uh, more of a, a an effective player and, more of a contributor than I think people realized on the day of the Gregory Soto trade. That being said, it was always Jake Rogers' job to lose, and he has been so good so far this spring that it's really hard to look any other direction. Well, I don't even like saying backup for for this, you know, backup catcher. I don't like – I think I'm going to start using the phrase second catcher because I, I, I tweeted that out earlier on Sunday as well. I, it's a second catcher job. I don't – because I don't think he's going to be a bad. I don't think Jake Rogers, if he if he gets the job, is only going to play in like forty games. You know, like I I think that it's going to be second catcher and and Haas has some versatility. He can play some corner outfield too. I don't know. It, it, I I think second catcher is going to be the phrase from here on out. But regardless, he has had a really good spring so far and continues to kind of lead the pack with all of his competitors as far as taking that job. Uh, on opening day then the next person I want to talk about was Miguel Diaz who is again very much in the mix in that bullpen spot but I thought his stuff looks pretty solid he didn't have a crazy good stat line or anything like that uh, the command is certainly a really big question mark for him and something that he's going to have to iron out and be a lot more consistent with if he wants to take that bullpen job but he threw this it was like a sinker or splitter type of thing on Sunday that I really liked. And, you know, the weird thing is, is when looking at Savant, Baseball Savant, great website for uh, for those who want to take in more information and data about the game of baseball, Savant had it at he, he, just a sinker, but it also had the velo as averaging at 88 miles an hour, but topping out at 95 and that makes me kind of think it's actually two different pitches and Savant maybe just couldn't tell the difference between the two, right? Because not that I don't know, seven miles an hour, a pretty big difference for the same pitch, I feel like. So I don't know what it was, but it moved vertically down a lot and I really liked it and it was really effective. So kind of in the same breath that last year, if you were listening to the show that Michael Fulmer we called his pitch the cutter slider thingy. This is like the sinker splitter thingy. And it's a. I think it, it's going to play at the major league level for real. I, I really do. Um, so, yeah, I think it's, it's going to come down to command for him. It's also going to come down to sequencing for him. There was a couple where he just kept rifling. He has a mid-90s fastball, and, and he just got a little too happy with it and just was throwing it. Uh, without mixing in any other pitches there for for a while, and and that he got tagged, and so uh, I, I guess what I'm trying to say is, based on his stuff alone, I think he is a lot more of a serious contender for a spot in that bullpen than maybe people realize, uh, or at least maybe people realized going into spring. I think he's 
going to be in that conversation. Whether he gets it or not, we have almost a month still of spring training, but uh, I think that he's going he's gonna to play. His stuff really is going to play. Joey Wentz was the starter on Sunday. That's another televised start for Joey Wentz. Apparently, the cameras just love Joey, but uh, he was super fastball heavy the first couple of innings. I think his cutter might be his best pitch, and at the end of the outing, he threw it a lot more, but early on, it was mostly forcing fastball. I, I really like the stuff, and and if he can just recreate September of 2022, like we talked about with his player profile last week, uh, he, he's going to be really solid, and I enjoy watching him pitch a lot. I'm a big fan. So yeah, I don't mind the fact that the only spring training game seemed to be televised when he's starting because I, I enjoy watching him pitch. And I think he's a super unique situation where uh, they're trying to figure out what role they want him in on opening day and what role he'll end the season on uh, if injuries and or trades happen. So someone to keep an eye on for, for sure. Uh, Akil Badu, another player to bring up very much deep in a race for who is going to get one of those outfield positions, whether it's fourth outfielder or left out left outfield, geez, left field or fourth outfielder. Um, he, he's definitely going to be in the mix in that. And spring is very, very important to him. Very important. He had a really hard hit single, like 103, 104 mile an hour exit velo on it on Sunday. And then the craziest thing was him scoring from first, on a Riley Green double to left field, just over the left fielder's head and bounced off the wall and stuff. And he scored from first on it. Um, I, I'm not sure anyone outside of maybe Parker Meadows is scoring uh, on that ball. That was unbelievably impressive. And that's going to be his his ticket. It, it really is. You can't teach that speed. You, it, It's really hard to teach good base running ability, especially uh, with the intangible of speed attached to it. And it's something that's going to carry a lot of weight into that outfield race. It really is. So uh, that that kind of back and forth between Badu and Kerry Carpenter and some other guys, Badu has that. So does Parker Meadows, I guess, has that speed too. But that, that, that this management and this coaching staff really, really like those toolsy players that have that intangible stuff of speed. So that athleticism, right? So very impressive and something that kind of jumped out the page at me or jumped out of the TV screen, I guess, at me on Sunday. Okay, let's uh, keep going over some news and notes over the weekend. But first, I got to tell you all about our friends over at Built Bar. If you're looking for a delicious treat, but you don't want all the fat and calories, you have to try Built Bar. Okay, we just got through the holiday season. Well, not really, but... At this point, I guess Valentine's Day. We just got through Valentine's Day. Lots of chocolate going through the the country on Valentine's Day. And now you can get a treat covered in 100% real chocolate. And that is, of course, Built Bar. The crazy things about Built Bar is they're not only incredible for you, they taste amazing too. Healthy is actually tasty when it comes to Built. They come in unbelievable flavors like churro, peanut butter brownie, coconut almond. I'm not sure how Bill does it, but they have a a bar that tastes like a candy bar and yet is really good for you. 130 calories, 4 grams of sugar, 17 grams of protein. So now you don't have to wait around to get a box either. You can go to Walmart, pick up a a 4-bar box. You can go to Sam's Club, pick up a 13-bar box. Or you can go to Bill.com still and get your Bill Bars today. 
All right, everybody, welcome back to another segment here on Locked on Tigers, segment two, talking about the spring training games from over the weekend. Parker Meadows stays hot, something that seems to me like we should keep talking about it. I think we're very close to having a Parker Meadows, like really legitimate dialogue and conversation. Am I there yet? No, I think if the season started tomorrow, I would still have him starting off said season in AAA. But I think that this is going to become more and more of a conversation as the spring goes along. And if he keeps hitting like this, it's going to become a, a, a much more competitive than I probably assumed going into the spring. Uh, really solid contact all weekend. Again, speed, an intangible thing. And yeah, I, I think he's going to slowly but surely play his way into the mix and he stays hot at the end of the spring this could be a really really interesting conversation for the some of those outfield spots Spencer Torkelson feels like someone we kind of have to talk about all the time uh at the moment really all I want is just consistently hitting fastballs that's really all I'm looking for the rest we can develop down the road we can we can uh talk about you know adjusting to breaking pitches and and whatnot but I, I just want to see consistently hitting straight forcing fastballs well and all the rest we can work on later I, I thought his single on Sunday very hard hit to right field really solid piece of hitting climbed the ladder a little bit I thought that was good I thought the swing was really good on that one um, but another thing that is noticeable is a lot of pitchers are going low and away so far in the spring and I think that that's something to keep an eye on for because his numbers in the spring aren't very good right now. What does he have two hits? So two or three, maybe now it's, it's the, the numbers aren't fantastic. And, and there is a lot of hard hit balls, which is good. Uh, I think that he is better than the numbers indicate at the time being, but uh, I still think that there is a, a, a lot of, I mean, clearly I'm definitely not alone in that. There, there's a lot that we still need to see out of him before he kind of rejuvenates the fan base with some confidence. And I think adjusting to those pitches low and away, there was especially there was one at bat on Sunday. It was really, really obvious. Might have been, well, I think he got hit by a pitch in one of them. So it definitely wasn't that one. But I think it was his strikeout. It was definitely his strikeout, actually. A lot, lot of low in the zone. A lot of fastballs, off-speed, et cetera. Low in the zone and not afraid to go low and away. So something to keep an eye on for, I think, for the rest of spring there. Let's talk about some positives still that I want to go over. Spencer Turnbull pitched on Saturday. Uh, gave up a run or two, I think. But honestly, I don't even care. Like, the, the results didn't matter to me. He went two innings, no discomfort, no red flags. Had a couple of strikeouts. Not the prettiest outing ever, but uh, again, I don't really care. Uh, it's his first competitive outing in almost two years. Uh, I'm just pleased that he got through it. The velo was really solid. That that's and and the stuff wasn't reported, you know, not televised, but it wasn't reported that the stuff was super flat or anything. Uh, solid velo, and I I just I'm ready for the rest of the spring. I want to see him build start to start, and hopefully by opening day we can have. Uh, at least some semblance of pre-TJ Spencer Turnbull. All right, cool. Um, anything else? Will Vest and and Higginbotham both got rocked in that game on Saturday. That was, uh, you know, the big talk of the town, obviously. Um, you know, those are two dudes that certainly 
uh, Higginbotham, but Vestas as well, man. I, I don't think anybody's spot in that bullpen outside of like Jason Foley, Alex Lang, and Jose Cisnero are like guaranteed locks. I'm probably missing somebody. Tyler Alexander, I guess. Um, I, I think there's a lot of uh, – it's a very fluid situation. I think there's a lot of open spots available in that bullpen. And uh, so Will Vest and, and Higginbotham there, I don't think they can afford too many more of those. And I think that that's why you saw the Tigers go out there and get Trevor Rosenthal, who we'll talk about in a second. So I think – what else? Colt Keith looks cool. He won't make the team out of camp, but still cool to see him uh, go up there and put together some good at-bats. Uh, Veerling, we'll talk about when we do his player preview at the end of the show. He had a solid weekend, though. Played some center field as well, which I liked. Moved green to the corner. We talked about that with Riley Green's player preview. I am uh, certainly not against that. Only other thing to really bring up outside of Rosenthal was Erod. He looked really good but he was calling his own pitches. And I think that that's going to be some sort of a debate internally. I'm not sure how much information we're ever going to get out of it, but it it sounds like that's going to be an internal debate because Erod raved about it and talked about how much he enjoyed calling his own pitches. And which is also funny because he almost just threw exclusively four seam fastballs that outing. It worked. He had a great outing, three innings pitch, one hit, no walks, no runs, three Ks. Like he, he looked sharp. A lot of weak contact, prime Erod stuff, but uh, was was really forcing fastball heavy. And so I'm – and then when I asked Hinch about it, he said that there's way too much game planning that they do from matchup to matchup basis to just kind of hand it over to the pitchers and say, like, yeah, you guys call your own games and stuff. So I, 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 I don't know if it's going to be like a heated, like, no, we're not going to do it. And the pitchers are like, yeah, let us do it. I don't think it's going to be anything like that aggressive, but it wouldn't shock me if there's a little bit of, of a pushback and, and uh, uh, we'll see who else does it. Like I said, Erod was, was very clearly doing it. It was the pitch com was on his belt and he was very much calling his own game, but uh, we'll, we'll see. We'll see. I'm, I'm intrigued to say the least, especially from a catcher's perspective, which is where I take a lot of things as I call it my whole life, uh, that that's super unique and new and something that I, I, I didn't really think about when the pitch com was invented. I didn't think about the reverse and if pitchers could just call their own games, what would happen? So something to keep an eye on for sure. I don't think we can have the conversation fully today, but uh, I think that's something to, to keep an eye on for. Okay, the last thing, Trevor Rosenthal signed to a minor league deal with an invite to spring training. Uh, he has not pitched in the major leagues since 2020. So this season will be three seasons removed from his last major league appearance. He's had some minor league outings here and there. Um, I, I mean, uh, an injury riddled with injuries that when he's at his best, he is phenomenal. Do I mind it? Absolutely not. I don't know how you can be super upset about this. Is it? it does it guarantee that he's going to be amazing? No. But it's, there's no risk. It's a minor league deal with an invite to spring. He's not even on the 40-man roster. So why not? Why not take a shot in the dark and see if you can get some out of it? Uh, I mean, he had a lat injury. He had uh, some outlet syndrome surgery. Uh, I, I can't even really pronounce the, the full name of it. He had Tommy John back in 2018. Like, and even before Tommy John, I mean, he had a lot of arm problems early on in St. Louis, like just riddled with injuries. But when he's at his best, he has legitimately put up some, some incredible seasons and has 
insane velo again pre-injury it sounds like now it's kind of a, a low 90s fastball or at least lower maybe mid 90s touching mid 90s sometimes uh type of velocity but really struggling 2019 obviously remember this is his second stint with the tigers he did pitch for the tigers in 2019 um and then in 2020 he was not very good in 2019 and then in 2020 he was legitimately one of the best pitchers in the game of baseball had a or at least relievers in, in the sport um you're, this is like peak, you know, pumping 99, 98 miles an hour, uh, was not allowing hard contact whatsoever, had an incredible whiff rate, had a really good chase rate, was striking out everyone, was not walking too many dudes. He was phenomenal in the short in 2020 season. And then uh, again, pre-TJ for St. Louis, I mean, how quickly we forget, uh, he had some really, really solid years in the back end of that bullpen too, was their closer at one point. Uh, and yeah, if you can even rekindle some of that, I, I think that that's a successful chance taken. So, uh, it's $2 million if he makes the roster and has up to two more million in incentives. Uh, that's via Evan Petzold of the free. I just, I, I don't get the, the pushback on this one. It's not like we're, t you know, hell, it's a $10 million contract and he has to be good or whatever. Like, if, if he doesn't have it, then he's not going to play for the Tigers this year, and it's not going to cost us any money. <laughs> I think there's a lot of people that just kind of uh, enjoy being mad with a lot of that stuff. So, yes, shot in the dark for sure. Total chance taken. Let's see if it works out for him. Um, um, I don't have too much more analysis on the pitcher he is because he hasn't pitched in almost three seasons, and I'm not really sure what the velo is going to look like. I'm not really sure what the secondary stuff is going to look like. I'm very intrigued to watch him pitch so that I can get that information. But at the time being, I have no clue because no one really has a clue. So something to keep an eye on there for sure. Okay, let's talk Matt Veerling. But first, I got to tell you all about our friends over at LinkedIn. It's been a while since we've talked about our friends over at LinkedIn. These days, every new potential hire can feel, feel like a high stakes wager for your small business. You want to be 100% certain that you have access to the best qualified candidates available. And that's why you have to check out LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn Jobs helps you find the right people for your team faster and for free. So go to the website, then you can add the purple hashtag hiring frame to your LinkedIn profile to spread the word that you're hiring. Simple tools like screening questions make it easy to focus on candidates with just the right skills and experience so you can quickly prioritize who you'd like to interview and hire. It's why small business rates LinkedIn jobs number one in delivering quality hires versus leading competitors. So go to LinkedIn jobs to help you find a qualified candidate that you want to talk to faster. Post your job for free at LinkedIn jobs at sorry at LinkedIn.com slash locked on MLB. That's LinkedIn.com slash locked on MLB to post your job for free. Terms and conditions apply. All right, everybody, welcome back. Third and final segment here, Locked on Tigers. I appreciate y'all for tuning in. Let's talk Matt Beerling. I think that he is one of the more intriguing players this spring and will be one of the more intriguing players this season. Uh, he was obviously acquired in the Gregory Soto trade from the Philadelphia Phillies. Last year, he played first base, second base, third base, and left center and right field. So, 
is very versatile, has played all over the diamond. That's all at the MLB level as well, has played even more positions if you go back to the minors. Uh, so looking at his season last year, played in 117 games for a team that made the World Series, had a 6.4% walk rate, a 19.6% K rate, a 246 average, a 297 OBP, and a 351 slug, had six home runs in those 117 games and seven stolen bases. His war was exactly zero, according to Fangraph. So uh, not uber productive, as we can see there. But uh, this is one where you're really looking at the tools. He has a ton. He has a boatload. And honestly, the underlying numbers kind of look like they're in his favor as well. He has some, his savant page really is just beautiful. It really is. So you're talking about 86th percentile and average exit velocity, 82nd and max exit below 85th percentile in hard hit percentage, 64th in Woba 93rd percentile in expected batting average. He only had a 246 average, but his expected batting average was in the 93rd percentile, the top 7% amongst qualified hitters in the entire sport. And now he is moving to a very hitter-friendly ballpark in terms of big outfield and Matt Beerling's very fast. Like, that's the, the weird misconception about Comerica is that it's, oh, it's such a pitcher's park. It's only a pitcher's park when you're talking home runs. If you're talking just base hits, it's actually more of a a, a hitter's park for people that keep the ball in the yard. I think that's why a lot of people liked Harold Castro so much. So I think that this could be a match made in heaven. And I said this on the episode when we first traded for him, and I'll say it again. I, I really do think that this could be a perfect mixing of environment and tools. And I'm very excited about it. Also, doesn't strike out a boatload, 58th percentile in K percentage, 80th percentile in whiff rate, doesn't swing and miss too terribly often, 80th percentile in arm strength, has a really good arm, and then the big one that everyone talks about, 97th percentile in sprint speed, legitimately one of the fastest players in the entire sport, okay? So, you're talking about a a park, a home park with a lot of big outfields, that he can roam in when he's playing out in the outfield. And even at third, it's good to be an athlete at third base. We've seen that a lot over the years as well. He doesn't strike out too terribly much. Makes contact a lot. We've seen that with, again, the, the whiff rate and the expected batting average. Good bad to ball skills. And can fly. I, 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 whether it results into a lot of doubles or a lot of infield singles with no shift, whatever, I I am very excited about the what Matt Veerling could possibly become. And is there still a lot to work on? Yes. Is this a guaranteed slam dunk? Absolutely not. But I am very enthusiastic and excited about it. And, and that's where, again, I don't want to confuse enthusiasm with optimism because I feel like how I talk sometimes that, that can be misconstrued. Uh, and I am optimistic about Matt Veerling. I'm not trying to say I don't have optimism about him, but I'm not trying to, to tell you that he's like going to be an all-star this year, but he, he has a lot of tools that really intrigue me. So uh, last year, uh, again, one of the numbers that a lot of people have already talked about, we talked about it when we brought him in, and it's pretty common knowledge by now. He hits well against lefties. He hit very, very poorly last season against righties, and he is a righty, 580 OPS against. 
right-handed hitting, a 760 OPS against left-handed hitting. Okay. Um, 901 OPS in 73 plate appearances that were deemed high leverage by uh, baseball reference. So that's something that I kind of want to highlight too. That's not a tiny sample size and that's a really high OPS. So uh, excels in high leverage situations. Again, I think that probably has something to do with his bat to ball skills and doesn't necessarily lack power either. Again, we, we talked about the Savant page. He hits the ball really hard. Uh, so there's some elevation stuff, some lift stuff he could do 55th percentile and expected slug though. I, I think that he can be a doubles machine. I really do. I think that that's kind of the ceiling for him is just hitting a boatload of doubles in a park that really caters to people that hit doubles well. We saw Jamer Candelario lead the league in doubles or tied for the American League League in doubles just a couple of years ago. Okay. Another couple just interesting stats that I found when doing the deep dive on him, 12% below league average in first pitch swing percentage. I like that. I think that this front office likes that. And for somebody who admittedly could raise his walk numbers, right? About a six and a half walk rate is below league average pretty comfortably. And this is an organization that, again, as we've said a million times, really wants to dominate the strike zone. And I think that he could, and we, well, let's look at his minor league numbers. Let's just do that right now because he does have some minor league seasons with a really good walk rate in double a in 2021, he had 11.8% walk rate. And in AAA in 2021, had a 10.2% walk rate. Last year in 21 games in AAA, had a 10.5% walk rate. So it's not like he he doesn't have the ability to draw walks. It's just at the major league level last year. Uh, so, well, I guess he had a cup of coffee in 2021 as well, and it didn't really walk in that stint either. So it really just comes down to translating and getting more comfortable in the box and translating those walk numbers that he had at a really solid clip in, in the minors to the majors and it is possible. And I think that taking the first pitch I'm always for taking the first pitch. I hate one pitch outs more than just about anything. Unless you know that you can drive it. I'm not against taking the first pitch really ever. So that's something that kind of struck, uh, kind of jumped out the page at me. Also something that I really like over 40% of his balls put in play were deemed as straight up the middle. Okay, so you have push, you have pull, and you have straight up the middle. Over 40%, looks like 41 or 42% straight up the middle. That's well above league average. A solid 4 or 5% above league average. That is, that's really enticing as well. That's someone who's squaring the ball up well, making really good contact. He's not going to get a lot of home runs out there in Comerica, I'll tell you that. But again, uh, this all points to like a lot of doubles to me. All of this points to, especially with the speed, obviously, really points to to the potential to, if he can just put the ball in the outfield, he's going to wreak havoc on the base pass. And that makes me really excited. Um, yeah, look, the tools are all there. We can see why Harris wanted him. Uh, the, the profile, as I've said a million times already, should really play in Comerica. He also hits line drives 2% more than league average last season. Uh, that's something that I, I think, again, points to a lot of doubles. Broken record, I'm sorry, but I, I'm I'm... <laughs> Trying to get the point across and how, how excited I am about that possibility. I think we see him play all over the diamond. I think defensively is another conversation that is really important to have with Matt Veerling. Uh, he's almost, I think, too athletic to be the safety valve first base option at this point. Uh, I know that we're 
Nevin is is somebody who is gaining a lot of traction in that department as well. You know, if Torque doesn't work out there, what to do at first this season. And earlier in the offseason, I, I was kind of like, oh, you know, it might actually be Matt Veerling. He's played first before, but he, he almost legitimately might be too athletic. You might might be a Cody Bellinger situation where you're like, okay, we could keep him at first, and he'd probably be fine there, but I think we need to utilize his athleticism a little bit more than just putting him at first base. So uh, I, I'm not sure that's as much of a possibility as I thought it was a month ago, uh, but can do that if needed. I still think he's going to get a, a more legitimate look at third than people realize, and I think third is just going to be such a revolving door and, and, and kind of wheel of fortune, just like spin the wheel and who's going to play third today. And I think that his name's going to be in that. But the biggest thing, I just want to see how he looks defensively in the outfield. Having that type of speed and athleticism in Comerica Park's outfield could be such a big factor. And when looking at his defense, his defensive numbers, his OAA isn't bad. It's pretty middle of the pack. But his outfield jump is terrible. His outfield jump numbers are awful. So if you can even just teach him to be a le- get a league average jump, right? Like Riley Green doesn't have the, the speed and athleticism that Beerling has, but has crazy good instincts and get cra- gets crazy good jumps. So if you can find a happy medium of giving Veerling a, a little bit more of that kind of, you know, reading the ball off the bat and get a little bit better jumps with his speed, you're talking about two dudes that could cover a ton of ground in a very big outfield. And that really excites me. I'm really excited to watch him. I really am. I think that he has all the makings of how high of a ceiling he has. We can debate until we're blue in the face. But if he can even just be like a two-win and just like exciting and electric player that makes plays that not very many other people can because of his athleticism sometimes, I I think that that would be a really successful first season for him. Okay? Uh, And he has all the tools to do it. So I'm sorry, again, if I got a little broken record E there with uh, uh, just continuing to reiterate how many doubles I think he can hit here. But I think it could be his biggest asset and his biggest tool going forward. But the biggest thing, the biggest thing to keep an eye on for, we talked about it earlier, can he consistently hit righties? Because all of this is moot. All of it. All of it is off the table and irrelevant if he never figures, if he never figures out how to consistently hit right-handed pitching. And that's not to say he won't have a job. Like he, he can be a solid platoon option, but he will be capped off at platoon player. If, if he never figures out how to develop and hit right handers, even at a remotely decent clip, he can still be better against lefties, but going to need to, to learn how to hit righties at least somewhat. And that's the biggest thing this season by far for him. Okay. Cool. Thanks for making Lockdown Tigers your first listen every single day. For your next listen, check on the Lockdown Fantasy Baseball Podcast. Win your fantasy league by listening to Madden Dom every day as they bring you the best fantasy draft strategies. Find Lockdown Fantasy Baseball wherever you get your podcasts and on YouTube, part of the Lockdown Podcast Network, your team every day. All right. We are done. I think that's everything. I didn't mean to shake the camera there if you're watching on YouTube. Sorry. We will be back tomorrow talking about another game. Uh, Some players are going to start heading to the World Baseball Classic this week. So we'll have some more opportunities for more youth to play. That's somewhat exciting. And, yeah, we'll talk about it here. Appreciate you all for tuning in. We'll be back tomorrow. Peace and love. Going to Therapy's Dope. I'll catch you all then, baby. Go Tigers.